These things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And whereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. But, I'm sorry, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abide in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which we have heard from the beginning. We know, and I referred back to First John chapter 1, and that verse was in verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. When Paul starts out chapter 2 and he, and he says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not, he's not specifically saying that you go through your life without sin because we know that we're still in the flesh in this earth. And as a matter of fact, we know this because look at his next statement. He says, We have an advocate, the, ne- the next statement, chapter or verse 1, sorry. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So when we do sin, when we fall into that temptation, when we act upon our own lust, we have an advocate with the Father. As long as we're here on this old earth, we will sin. But I believe that what God and what John is is trying to tell us here is we can have assurance of salvation if we have a sincere desire to please God. If we have a sincere desire to please God. Uh, he says sinning not. A life free from habitual sin is probably the more accurate uh, lifestyle he's referring to here. No one rather lives in sin but rather lives for Christ. That's what... You can say, you can go through the Bible and see different examples of this. Uh, the new man, the old man uh, analogy that Paul uses. And we see that as we are saved, we should have a sincere desire to please God. Also, if you go back to John, John chapter 14, the gospel John that is. John chapter 14 and verse 15 Jesus himself says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This was his sincere desire for us. This morning we read a passage of scripture from Romans. Romans chapter 7. I'll go over it again with you. But in Romans chapter 7, we see this sincere desire within Paul himself. In verse 19, it says in Romans seven nineteen. For the good that I would, that's what he wanted to do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present within me. We know that Paul had this sincere desire to please God, to obey the commandments, to follow the moral law. But evil was still present within him because he was still in this flesh. We must remember that we have an advocate with the Father. John, 1 John 2 and verse 2 says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation is a neat word. Uh, it, it has a sense of sacrifice, but ultimately it has a sense of satisfaction. That that the debt that we owe because of our sin, the debt for the wages of sin is death. We have that satisfied in Christ. We have that paid in full in Christ. That's what the word propitiation means. It means a payment that not just as a monthly payment that continues on, but a payment that is satisfied, completely taken care of. Verse 6, there's no truer verse in the Bible that matches the old phrase, our walk should match our talk. It says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. As we go along this life and along our journeys, uh, we shouldn't just proclaim to be Christians, but our lives should show forth that we are Christians. What then have we changed from if we live in the old man? What, what, what has happened to our lives if after our salvation we live as if we'd never been saved? There's supposed to be something that happens at salvation that changes the inward man to a more godly focus, to a more directed focus on pleasing God. And this is what John points us towards. The practical application here is if you look further in verse 7 through verse 10, it says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his, bro- loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. So what Jesus pulls out or what John pulls out here is this old commandment, and it is an old commandment. You can look at the book of Leviticus. You can look in Jesus' teaching and see that loving one another and loving God is not just a new idea. And what, what commandments that John is referring to is he refers to, we know, Jesus' love God with all your heart and mind and soul and everything and love each other in the same manner. This is... Not a new commandment. Actually, the old law that was given to Moses, everything in that falls into those two categories. And and what John is saying here is the practical application of this is you need to love one another. You need to love God. 
And I love the analogy that John brings out about walking in darkness. Uh, you, you may stumble. I tell you, I cannot stand in the middle of the night when I wake up and have to go get a glass of water or something like that and stump my toe. That drives me nuts. How about anybody else? It it hurts. It drives me nuts. And why do I do that? Because I can't see. And as we, as Christians, follow after Christ, we are not supposed to walk in darkness. It causes a stumbling. It causes someone to get hurt. If we are to live for Christ, if we are to uh, be His disciples and follow after Him, we must walk in light as He is in light. And the practical application of that is we've got to love people. We've got to love God and we've got to love people. If if you look further on, he, He says not only are you supposed to love people, but you're supposed to not love this world. Look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The thing I think about as I look at this is we are much more in Christ than this world defines us. You read later on that John says uh, to you young, uh, to you old, or to you fathers, you are overcome this world. We are more than conquerors in Christ ourselves. We have victory over the evil one. And, and listen, this world is, uh, as one author put it, not our temporary home, or is our temporary home, rather. I love the way one preacher said it. He says, when it's all said and done, what we have here stays here. We need to live for Jesus, not ourselves. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If we're living for Jesus, that means that we will put others before ourselves because He Himself did that. Look at verse 18 through 23. He says, Little children, it is the last time. Uh, and, and literally, that, that is the last hour. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. Not all of us, but we have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no one, no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, and denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same shall not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. 
Those that deny Jesus Christ, as, as verse 22 says, they are the Antichrist. And we have people in our world today who deny Jesus. And you would be almost uh, gullible to think that there's people in our world today that don't deny Jesus. We, we know that rising popularity of the Muslim faith is here in our country today. And in their scriptures, it says, kill the infidel. Those that believe in Jesus, those that are proclaiming Christ, kill them. Those people, just as much as the atheists, just as much as the ones that turn away from Christ and, and believe that there is no Christ, are Antichrist among us here. John, Jesus tells us in John 10.30, the Gospel of John 10.30, He says, I and my Father are one. Verse 23 of 1 John chapter 2, that, that phrase comes back, it says, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let me tell you that we've been studying on Sunday mornings a lot about the Jews. And let me tell you, if they deny the Son of God, Jesus Christ, they have no access to the Father. And as sad as that is, as sad as uh, they think they have it right in, in worshiping the one true God, they can't, don't even have access to Him without Jesus Christ. Giving our life to Christ is not a fleeting lifestyle. As you can see, Paul writes, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Giving our life to Christ is not a fleeting lifestyle. Giving our lives to Christ is a lifelong journey. Paul urges us in verse 24 to abide in Christ. He says, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abide in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and in truth, and in no lie, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. What Paul is urging us to do as Christians, we see that we are to follow his commandments. We are, the practical side of that is to love one another and to remember that there are people out there waiting to deceive us. They have already denied Christ and their goal in life is probably to make us deny Christ. What John urges us to do is to abide in Christ. It's our very best defense. Is to abide in Christ, abide in His Word, and learn more about Him, learn more of the Scripture so that you have the, the very best defense in your heart. But why do we abide in Christ? Look at these last few verses, 28 and 29. 
And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doth righteousness is born of him. The fact of the matter is, Jesus is coming back again. Jesus himself asked, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith? And and I, I think about believers and I think about our duty here on this earth to walk in light and not in darkness. Where will we be when Jesus comes again? You know, John brings out this idea of being in fear when he comes again. He'll find us somewhere we don't want him to see us, right? We need to live for him and make every moment we have on this earth count. As our song leaders come, I want to ask you tonight. I know that we can't live in sin, but is it our earnest or our... Man, I'm getting tongue-tied. I want to ask you tonight, I know that we cannot live without sin, but is it our earnest to desire to live for Him?